Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Tonight on The Readout. Hello, I'm Justin! <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's not how Republican Senator Tim Scott wanted to kick off his presidential campaign. But that was just the start of an announcement that played up all the old conservative talking points while downplaying racial disparities in the U.S. economy. <laughs> Plus... The Trump-Putin love affair heats up as Russia announces a new set of sanctions targeting Trump's critics. And Stacey Abrams joins me to discuss lingering concerns about political power and representation for black women in the Democratic Party. But we begin tonight with the old bait and switch. We are just one week away from a potential default of the national debt, which every economic expert agrees would be catastrophic for our economy resulting in millions of Americans becoming unemployed. Interest rates on your homes, cars, and credit cards shooting through the roof and a major punishing recession. A meeting between President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy at the White House is still ongoing as the clock ticks down to find some agreement to avert economic disaster. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned again of a default as soon as June 1st, saying it's now highly likely the U.S. will run out of cash if the debt limit isn't resolved by then. Now, to understand why we're here, I refer you to a quote by the 36th president of the United States, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who before he was president was a United States senator for 12 years. Quote, if you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. That actually has been the Republican strategy since the man who succeeded him, Richard Nixon, set out to fix the Republican Party's half-century-long problem of being unable to become a majority party or to consistently win the White House, with the exception of Dwight Eisenhower. From FDR on, Democrats had a lock on both houses of Congress and most states, and they consistently won majorities of black and white voters. Why? The New Deal, which put an economic floor under most Americans, but especially working-class white Americans. When Democrats proposed adding federal, state and health insurance, federal and state health insurance, a.k.a. Medicare and Medicaid, here is how up-and-coming Republican politician, Hollywood actor and soon-to-be California governor and later president Ronald Reagan reacted in 1961. This program, I promise you, will pass just as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow. And behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. And if you don't do this, and if I don't do it, one of these days, you and I are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. What it was like when men were free. Do you hear that panic? Okay. So how do you break the psychological bond between white working class voters 
And the party that gave them old age health insurance, home buying assistance, federal jobs programs during the Depression, federal college aid and health care. The party of Nixon and Reagan figured out the trick. Make them think about something else. Make that their priority. And in America, the lowest hanging fruit has always been race. Here's how Republican strategist Lee Atwater, a key advisor to President Reagan, explained it in 1981. You start out in 1954 by saying, by 1968, you can't say that hurts your backfire. So you say stuff like uh, forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. And you're getting so abstract now, you're talking about cutting taxes. And all of these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and the byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. We want to cut taxes, we want to cut this, and we want is much more abstract than, than even the busing thing. Uh, and a hell of a lot more abstract than You're talking about cutting taxes. And here's presidential candidate Reagan in 1976 using a familiar trope to label welfare as theft with the heavy implication that it's lazy blacks who refuse to work buying government-funded T-bone steaks at the white working man's expense. In Chicago, they found a woman who holds the record. She used 80 names, 30 addresses, 15 telephone numbers to collect food stamps, social security, veterans benefits for four non-existent deceased veterans' husbands, as well as welfare, her tax-free cash income, alone has been running $150,000 a year. Okay, that wasn't true. But just 12 years after Dr. King was murdered while fighting for city of Memphis employed black sanitation workers who were so low paid, they were forced to rely on food stamps. President Ronald Reagan got to enact his ideas. Demonizing Johnson's great society, Reagan threw people off federal aid taking aim at welfare and food stamps in particular, even though the people who get state and federal food aid, health care and the like, are nearly all workers. Workers like the clerk at the dollar store or the greeter at your local Walmart, the local beautician, preschool teacher or home health aid, or the farmhand or the meatpacking worker whose jobs, which they often do on their feet for eight hours a day or more, don't provide health care or pay them enough to afford to buy it or to afford rent, childcare, and all their other bills. When it comes to Medicaid, recipients who are not working may be disabled or taking care of someone who is disabled or they're elderly or they're a student or a child. Republicans want you to believe that they are causing the deficit. But here's where the bait and switch comes in. While Reagan was banging on about welfare queens and gutting the programs that helped poor black and brown, but also poor white people get by, He also deepened America's first trillion-dollar national debt by slashing taxes on the super-rich, a tactic that would be repeated again and again and again. Reagan exploded the debt with military spending and tax cuts, tripling it over his eight years in office. Then the first President Bush got fired for raising taxes to pay for them. Bill Clinton paid off the debt entirely and gave us a surplus and an economic boom that put money in all of Americans' pockets. And Republicans punished him with a distracting, baseless impeachment. George W. Bush blew the surplus with another tax cut for the super rich. And Barack Obama produced another economic boom and expanded Medicaid through Obamacare, which Republicans racially demonized and refused to expand in their states. Then Donald Trump came along and exploded the debt into the stratosphere with yet another 
Paul Ryan crafted trillion dollar tax cut for the super rich and big business while giving just pennies on the dollar to regular Americans. And now Republicans are back at the trough again, lying about their own voters, calling hardworking, low wage workers of all races, couch potatoes, so that they can kick a bunch of Americans off Medicaid with work requirements that are already the law. And you know what they're going to want next? Say it with me, fam. Another big fat tax cut for the super rich. Eventually, y'all are going to catch their game and wake up. I am joined now by Bruce Bartlett, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary for Economic Policy under President George H.W. Bush. And I should know the meeting between President Biden and Speaker McCarthy ended moments ago. According to McCarthy, it was productive, but there's still no deal yet. Bruce, <laughs> it's good to see you again. It's been too long. Um, yeah. I, I want to start by just asking a very fundamental question that I have asked you before, but I want to ask you again on the show. Do tax cuts pay for themselves or did the tax cuts by Reagan, Bush, J- George W. Bush and Trump pay for themselves? No, of course they did not. And in fact, anybody who wants documentation, go to the Senate Budget Committee page. I testified before them just last week on this very subject. And so if tax cuts don't pay for themselves, do they contribute to the deficit? Yes, absolutely. There's no question that uh, all the tax cuts since 1980 uh, have uh, contributed very substantially uh, to the deficit, uh, some more than others. So and then my my third question would be, since you were an econ guy in the George H.W. Bush administration, when they're spending, let's say Biden did his big infrastructure bill, the, the big old infrastructure bill. When do we pay for that spending, right? Because we don't pay for that at the time, right? Aren't we paying for past spending now, money we already spent? Isn't that what this debt is for? Yes, the the, the current situation is exactly analogous to your credit card. You already spent the money. Now the bill has come due. And Speaker McCarthy says we don't want to pay it because we're fine, upstanding, financially uh, responsible people, which, of course, is utter nonsense. So and here's the thing. I, I, first of all, I want to note that nine out of the 12 U.S. recessions since 1948 occurred under Republicans. Let's just clear. You know, just if you just go by the facts and the past, Democrats tend to do better, tend to, to the, Americans tend to do better economically under Democrats. But Republicans, for whatever reason, get the reputation of being better for the economy. But really, the reverse has been true historically. But I want to focus specifically right now on the debt that we're talking about. Donald Trump's record tax cut went mostly to the super rich. The top four, five, six percent got most of it. If we don't pay for that and we go over the debt limit, What happens to the U.S. credit system and what would happen to the economy if we don't pay for that tax cut now? Well, I think we all know what would happen if we defaulted on our mortgage, let us say. If we ever tried to get another mortgage, we'd have to pay a premium, a higher interest rate to compensate the lender for the risk that we might default again. That's what's going to happen if we default on our debt next week. The United States government, the Treasury Department, will pay higher interest rates forever. Uh, We we actually have experience with this. In 1979, there was a technical default because Treasury's computers didn't work properly. Ten years later, 
uh, economists calculated that interest rates were still higher because of that one brief incident. And if we do it again because of a policy difference between the White House and Congress, I think the situation would be vastly worse. Yeah. And we the last time that they brought us to the brink of this in 2011, uh, Moody's downgraded the U.S. from an, a triple A plus to like triple A minus. And that was catastrophic that, you know, set Wall Street tumbling and it was a disaster. And that was a close to default. We got right up to the brink. But I want to talk about that policy difference. Republicans are insisting that the only way they're willing to raise the debt limit is if they get work requirements. Let's just start by the facts. Work requirements are already law. You can't just get food stamps. You have to be working unless you're taking care of a disabled person, a child, or you're a student, or you're a child. So when they say they they think that people who are getting, quote unquote, welfare aren't working, that is a lie, right? Yes, uh, but I think everything about the House Republican uh, budget package is a lie. The whole thing is completely ridiculous and cooked up out of you know, whole cloth. I think it's only being done to embarrass Biden, to embarrass the Democrats. And I think it's it's, it's really kind of sad that they're playing along by agreeing to negotiate these absurd proposals that were cooked up out of thin air and suddenly thrust upon uh, the body politic uh, at the very last second before action had to be taken on the debt limit. I, I we, we just... I, th- I don't think you negotiate with terrorists, and I think that this is the reason why. There, there is, there has been some talk about, you know, some, you know, pull pin from the grenade measures, like printing a trillion dollar coin at the Treasury Department or using the Fourteenth Amendment option. President Biden has indicated he's open to that. When you look at those options, or maybe having a discharge petition, essentially forcing a vote on a clean debt limit on the House floor. Do you think any of those things are workable? Potentially, I don't know. Uh, the The problem is the president wants to do things in the normal sort of way, whereas I think the Republicans are playing a completely different game. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to have to say, look, the Constitution requires me to provide the full faith and credit of the United States to our lenders and uh, to to you know uphold the the, uh, the debts of the United States, and I think he'll tell the Treasury Secretary just keep doing things as usual, and if we have to go to court to discuss this, then that's what we'll do. And, and let me ask you this to go back once again to the policy difference. I mean, it, it feels incredibly disingenuous. The Republican Party's voting base are white working class people. If you say that we're going to strengthen the work requirements, which, again, are already the law, you already have to be working, all that's going to happen, and the experience we've seen in Arkansas and other states that have tried this, is that people who they want to ratchet it up to 55, it's even harder to find a job, we're at 3.5% unemployment. We're at full employment, technically. And you, all that happens is people end up leaving the program because they have to do all this other paperwork. They can't do it. They get kicked off. You will save money that way. But why don't Republicans just admit that they really can't stand and don't like the idea of having Medicaid? They don't want to have Medicare. They just want to cut the programs. Isn't, isn't that more honest? Isn't that the truth? They want to get rid of food stamps and meals on wheels. They just don't like the programs. 
Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. I think you have to look at this uh, group in the House called the Freedom Caucus. Uh, they basically control what Speaker McCarthy is able to do. He's afraid that if he crosses them, that they will throw him out of his job, quite frankly. And so he's he's uh, uh, you know bowing down to them, and and they are basically anarchists. Uh, they don't think the government should do anything. They don't think there should be any taxes at all. They think all taxation is theft. Uh, so I think that you have to understand that these pe- where these people are coming from, they're not normal. They are not behaving in a typical, historical, uh, 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 political way where you have give and take and you make compromise and you move on. These people cannot be satisfied. Uh, take it from Bruce Bartlett. He has been in these administrations. He knows of what he speaks. If you don't want to take it from me. And if you all are voting for these folks, just understand that when you think they're just going to take the black people's benefits away, they're going to get yours too. They don't believe in any of the programs, guys. They don't believe they should exist. Bruce Bartlett, I appreciate you. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Up next on The Readout, Russia's target list for new sanctions reads like a who's who of Trump's most hated enemies. That's got to be just a crazy coincidence, though, right? The Readout continues after this. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. What do New York Attorney General Letitia James, Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, and Joe Scarborough, and the others on this list, have in common... You'd be right if you say they've all been receiving, they've all been on the receiving end of Donald Trump's attacks as his perceived enemies. They're also among the latest batch of Americans being sanctioned by Russia. Now, it's worth pointing out, none of them have anything to do with U.S. foreign policy. Vladimir Putin is simply sending a message, interfering in American politics once again as his preferred candidate, Donald Trump, seeks a second term. As the New York Times reports, the Russian foreign ministry offered no specific explanation for why they would be included on the list, but did say that among its targets were those in government and law enforcement agencies who are directly involved in the persecution of dissidents in the wake of the so-called storming of the Capitol. 
Notice the use of the phrase so-called storming. Sounds like the words of someone else that we've heard discuss the insurrection. They were there with love in their heart. That was an unbelievable and it was a beautiful day. Joining me now is John Brennan, former director of the CIA and an MSNBC national, senior national security and intelligence analyst. Um, director Brennan, how to explain <laughs> the Kremlin sanctioning, you know, Rachel Maddow and Joe Scarborough and Letitia James and, Bre- and Jack Smith, et cetera? Well, Joy, I think this is a very brazen and very public display of affection on the part of Vladimir Putin toward his fellow autocrat buddy, uh, Donald Trump. It is clear that these individuals uh, have no bearing sort of on Russia policy whatsoever, but they have been clearly selected because they have been adversaries and very outspoken adversaries uh, of Donald Trump. And so I think this is uh, Russia and Putin's way of demonstrating that he is going to continue to support uh, the Donald Trump and his efforts to try to reclaim the presidency. Because I think uh, Vladimir Putin is counting on uh, Trump returning to the White House uh, so that uh, Putin's uh, debacle in Ukraine uh, can be brought to an end in favor of Russia. And I think that's what he's hoping is going to happen if Donald Trump does return to the White House. Can we put that list back up? You know, Bri White, Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert. I mean, these are people who are, you know, commentators, comedians, of course, journalists, Rachel Maddow. It, it, it is a strange list. You're right. And it, and it feels like he is just simply trying to send a message to Donald Trump. Hey, buddy, I support you. It, it is surprising to me that that has not been hung on Donald Trump, that there hasn't been a louder cry of doesn't this prove that you're Putin's guy. Are you surprised that there hasn't been a louder uproar about the fact that he's getting such brazen open support from someone who helped him before? Well, Joy, what I'm really surprised at is over the past several years, it seems as though Vladimir Putin's standing among Americans and specifically within the MAGA base has risen. And therefore, I think what he's doing now, Putin, is trying to signal to that MAGA base that there is this kindred spirithood between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And so I do think that Putin is not only trying to send a message to Donald Trump that he's going to do what he can to get him back into the White House, but also sending a signal to the MAGA base that he, Vladimir Putin, is somebody that they should continue to respect and admire. And unfortunately, I find it hard to believe in this day and age, particularly after the bloody assault and plundering of Ukraine, that any American would look favorably upon Vladimir Putin. But unfortunately, many Americans, just the way they were looking at Donald Trump as a favorite strongman, uh, I think they looked at, at Vladimir Putin the same way. Uh, the hair, hair. It is shocking, but yeah, absolutely clearly true. Here's Donald Trump during that rather embarrassing CNN town hall, embarrassing uh, for, for, the, for the network, but apparently really great for him, uh, being unable to simply say what should be obvious, that Ukraine ought to win this war. Do you want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. I, I mean, my fear is that it doesn't almost matter Well, there are a couple of Republicans that are running that don't seem to be as bad, but the main MAGA ones, they've already signaled, DeSantis signaled and others, that Ukraine would lose support from the American White House if 
one of those Republicans won, most of them. Does that concern you? Yes, it does. And I do think Vladimir Putin is just trying to hold on until November of 2024, because if he can hold on in this war of attrition on the battlefield and Donald Trump is reelected, I think it's going to send a shockwave uh, through NATO countries, first of all. And secondly, Donald Trump as president could do a lot to curtail U.S. support for Ukraine. He could cut off the intelligence support, training, other types of things. And he could uh, bring a a halt to a lot of the weapon flows that are going into Ukraine. So I I do think that uh, Vladimir Putin, who has his back against the wall, his one hope is that there's going to be a change of leadership in the United States, one that is more favorable to Moscow and to Putin. And when Trump at a town hall said he would bring it to a close, the war to a close in 24 hours, I think he was signaling to Putin that the way he's going to bring it to a close is that he's going to bring a quick halt to the type of support that we've been providing to President Zelensky and the Ukrainian people. Yeah, let him annex uh, Ukraine. It would be seemingly his strategy. I have to ask you this on another subject. There was an AI-generated hoax uh, today that simulated an explosion at the Pentagon. This thing went viral today. This is the thing that scares a lot of folks, including myself, about AI. It caused, you know, a potential—it caused a panic briefly on Wall Street— we do not have our arms around this, Director Brennan, right? I mean, the the damage that can be done by something like this, a hoax like this, especially, you know, on Twitter that's in the hands of a MAGA um, Republican who's swatting people for fun, that makes to me it doubly scary. What about you? Yeah, well, AI is one of these technological wonders that clearly can do a lot of things that are going to be beneficial to humankind, but it's a double-edged sword. And those individuals who are trying to disrupt our lives can do uh, immeasurable harm uh, by utilizing the capabilities of AI in a manner that really, again, undermines our safety, our security, our, uh, and our psychology. Uh, because as you point out, you know, these things get into the viral stream and it will have repercussions. And so this is something that I, I agree with you. We have not come to grips with all the implications of it, how we're going to try to ensure that it doesn't, in fact, lead to uh, chaos, uh, which I think a lot of individuals, whether they be foreign actors or domestic actors, those who are just trying to be disruptors can use AI yeah. uh, to achieve their their aims. I wish that we had a, a, a Congress that would spend less time trying to ban TikTok and doing fake weaponization of government hearings and more work on this, because this is the stuff they actually could make an impact on. Former CIA Director John Brennan, thank you very much. Always appreciate it. Still ahead, concerns about 89-year-old Senator Dianne Feinstein's uh, health highlight ongoing concerns about representation in the Democratic Party. Stacey Abrams joins me next. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life, too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. 
Visit Rapatha.com or call 1-844-RAPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Rapatha. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. In the entirety of American history, there have been but two black women elected to the United States Senate. Illinois Senator Carol Mosley Braun, then California Senator Kamala Harris, now doing triple representation duty as the first woman, first black and first Asian American vice president. There is a good chance that that will change in 2024. Today, Delaware Senator Tom Carper announced his retirement. And in so doing, he endorsed the state's lone congressional representative, Lisa Blunt Rochester. If she runs and wins, she would be just the third black female senator in U.S. history. Carper is the fourth Democratic senator to announce their retirement. A list that includes California Senator Dianne Feinstein. California Congresswoman Barbara Lee is running against her congressional colleagues, Representatives Katie Porter and Adam Schiff, to succeed her. Black women are central to the Democratic Party base and a key to their electoral success. But when it comes to representation in public office, this country is still mostly a white boys club and not easy to break into. Take, for example, former North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Sherry Beasley, who ran four successful statewide races. But when it came to her Senate race, she came up short, losing to Trump-backed right-winger Ted Budd. This morning, she told NPR why the race was such a challenge. The perception is always that the U.S. senator is a white man. That is the presumption, and then we work from there. I'm joined now by someone familiar with the challenges of running competitive statewide races in purple states, Stacey Abrams, a 2022 Georgia Democratic gubernatorial candidate and former Georgia House minority leader. Abrams has a brand new thriller out tomorrow called Rogue Justice, which follows a Supreme Court law clerk as she unpacks a riveting legal mystery. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. I am excited and cannot wait to make that a summer read for myself. But I do want to first quickly ask you about this because you face this challenge, um, Stacey, that you know, for black women, the perception is in this role, we think you're fine and we will vote for you. But then when you go to a statewide race, there literally have not been any black women governors and just a handful of black women senators. Why do you suppose that disconnect is there when black women are literally the key base for the Democratic Party? Well, I think it's broader than just a Democratic issue. It's an American conversation that we need to have. Black women are seen as useful and necessary in propping up and supporting most of the facets of American society, but we are rarely seen as capable of actually leading. And part of our responsibility, both as Democrats, but more broadly as Americans, is to widen our aperture and to understand that Black women can lead. But just as every other community got into that position of leadership through support and endorsement and engagement, the same must be true and must be availed and made available to black women. And that just hasn't happened at the scale that we need with the speed that we need. But I also remind us that it's a very recent reality that we've had black women mayors at, in major cities. Mm-hmm. And so we have we started out so far behind that we are starting to catch up. 
But that also means there has to be patience on the part of voters that we're going to have to keep doing this. You're going to keep seeing names and faces because we have got to break through this notion that black women cannot hold these executive jobs, cannot hold these statewide jobs. It is entirely possible. And more importantly, it is necessary because the needs that we have in this nation, the challenges that we face, black women are often the harbingers of the most harsh realities that we face, but we're also the innovators for solving and navigating those issues. And so while Democrats have, I think, the lead to take, because yes, indeed, black women are the most reliable voters for the Democratic Party, it is important that we make certain that this is not just a black women's issue. This is an American issue. This isn't just about yeah. Democrats. It's about Democrats, Republicans, independents. Any person who wants their nation to be better should look to black women and help them succeed. But at the same time, for I think specifically, uh, you know, because the Democratic Party is the diverse party, the Republican Party is 90 percent white. Let's just, you know, be honest about it. The Democrats then are all the other people. Right. So uh, you, do you do you kind of feel that Gavin Newsom's pain here? He promised on this very show that he would appoint a black woman if, in fact, an opening came, comes up. Dianne Feinstein is now hanging on to that seat, even though she said she's going to retire in January. And now you have three parts of the Democratic base all competing. You have Adam Schiff, who was brilliant in the impeachment trials. You have Katie Porter, who progressives and young folks in California really love. And then you have Barbara Lee, who's beloved among African-Americans, but far behind in distant third place. They're now all competing. And Gavin Newsom isn't in a position to make that choice. But if it did open up, how would he even make it? Well, I, I want to acknowledge that I've endorsed Barbara Lee because I know her work. I know that while she is certainly a representative of the black community, she has also been just a stalwart for progressive issues for more than 35 years. And so let's be clear that she is capable of doing this job for all of those communities. But I think yeah. that what the governor is going to face, what voters are going to have to face, we have to create the reality we want to see. And we can't say we want this to be true, but we won't do the work to make it so. And I believe that if we want a truly representative society, if we want diversity to be more than a tagline, we've got to do the work that sometimes means we have to not vote for our friends or we have to vote for one friend over the other in order to make yeah. representation real. So now let's talk about the book. Okay, so you you are a New York Times best-selling fiction author, Rogue Justice. Now this book comes out May twenty third. Um, let me read uh, the the synopsis. Another complex, high stakes Washington legal thriller featuring the return of the fiercely intelligent and tough as nails Avery Keene. Tell me about Avery Keene. Tell me about this book. Avery Keene is a Supreme Court clerk who made her first appearance in While Justice Sleeps. You don't have to have read While Justice Sleeps to to read Rogue Justice. But she was so compelling in the first book, she got another story. She is a Supreme Court clerk who in, finds herself facing a blackmail threat to the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Service Court, I mean, surveillance court. Most people don't know anything about it because their, their opinions aren't public. But what if that court, which is responsible for national security, was under threat itself. And she's got to unravel the mystery and try to save our lives with no one being the wiser, while she also watches a president undergo an impeachment trial. So she's got a few political things she's got to navigate as well. I, I, I almost want to ask, is there a Clarence Thomas who's got a rich friend who purchases his mother's house? But I don't want you to spoil it for folks if there is a character in there. But is, I, I, I mean, there's so much Supreme Court <laughs> drama. <laughs> I will say this. It, my focus is to take and demystify Washington but to also look at questions and conversations we don't really have. 
the conversation about AI is a critical and pertinent one. But we've got to deal yeah. with cyber threats that are immediate. We have to deal with a vulnerable power grid. I, I'm proud to be working with an organization that's helping electrify everything. But I also yeah. wrote a book that looks at how vulnerable our power grid is and issues within our own courts, looking at the Ferris Doctrine yeah. and how it treats our military. And so this is a very complex but fun book. It's easy read, lots of fun. And Avery Keene is someone you want to take along with you on vacation. Yeah, but I, let me tell you, the reviews have been outstanding. Just praise, 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 praise. I cannot wait to read it. Stacey Abrams, congratulations, New York Times, best-selling author um, and also very smart person uh, on politics and everything else. Stacey Abrams, thank you very much. Congratulations. Thanks. And coming up next... Launch week for the also-rans. The field of Republican presidential candidates gets a bit larger as Tim Keep Yo Money Scott throws his hat into the ring ahead of sued and sanctioned Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' expected announcement later in the week. We'll be right back. Well, today he made it official. Are you excited? Tim Scott of South Carolina, the lone black Republican in the United States, said it is running for president. My family went from cotton to Congress in his lifetime. I will build the wall. For those of you who wonder if America is a racist country, take a look at how people come together. All of God's people come together. Black ones and white ones, the red ones and brown ones, working together because love, unconditional love, binds hearts together. We are not defined by the color of our skin. We are defined by the content of our character. And if anyone tells you anything different, they're a lion. Oh, Lordy. Xenophobia, the bootstrap lie, displaying black people. And misquoting the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., three of his party's favorite pastimes. But what do you expect from the politician who back in 2017 appeared in a cringy and now deleted video for Senate Republicans deploying stereotypical jive talk to tout the overwhelmingly white right wing party's tax cuts for the rich? The lone black Republican senator's line in that ad? Keep your money. Tim, keep your money, Scott. And former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, once allies, will now be rivals in the Republican primary. They both hail from a state that recently held its Republican convention. We're according to a tweet from the state reporter Joseph Bustos. South Carolina's current governor, Henry McMaster, said, and I quote, I look forward to the day that Democrats are so rare we have to hunt them with dogs. The governor's office has since attempted a cleanup on all five, saying the comment was a joke. Ha, 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 governor. I hope the ghost of an enslaved South Carolinian haunts your governor's mansion starting tonight. Maybe you can chase them with a dog, you know, for nostalgia. In a field that already feels crowded, the focus seems to be on who cannot win rather than who can. This is what Eric Bowling of Newsmax told presidential hopeful Vivek Civil War Black Splinter Ramaswamy. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to look you right in the eye. I don't think you're going to be president. And here's Republican Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana reading the tea leaves about the dear leader himself pointing to his party's performance in last year's midterm elections when several Trump endorsed candidates lost. So if passed his prologue, that means President Trump is going to have a hard time in those swing states, which means that he cannot win a general election. 
Meanwhile, <laughs> the biggest name to take on Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, is expected to officially launch his campaign later this week. What his Florida blueprint means for America and why the NAACP and two other civil rights groups are warning people of color and members of the LGBTQ community against traveling to his state. Next. When he makes his presidential bid official, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to run on the idea of making America Florida, even as his multiple as multiple human rights organizations are warning that Florida might not be safe for many Americans. Over the weekend, the NAACP issued a travel advisory for Florida, saying the state has become openly hostile toward African-Americans, people of color and LGBTQ plus individuals, citing DeSantis's aggressive attempts to erase black history and to restrict diversity, equity and inclusion programs in schools. The move comes as the League of United Latin American Citizens, LULAC, and the gay rights advocacy group Equality Florida have also issued travel advisories for the state referencing DeSantis's draconian anti-immigrant and anti-LGBTQ laws, including Don't Say Gay. Joining me now is Leon Russell, chairman of the NAACP Board of Directors. He previously served as the president of the NAACP Florida State Conference of Branches. Um, Mr. Russell, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to read a little bit from the travel advisory, and it says, quote, under the current governor of the state of Florida has engaged in an all-out attack on black Americans, accurate black history, voting rights, members of the LGBTQ plus community, immigrants, women's reproductive rights, and free speech, while simultaneously embracing a culture of fear, bullying, and intimidation by public officials. And it also cites this law signed by DeSantis to allow Floridians to, car Floridians to carry guns without a permit and criminalizing protests. So in your view, to be blunt, is Florida not a safe place for black and gay and trans people to travel to? Floridians understand that this is a time where people have to analyze their plans. They have to look at themselves and say, will I be safe? Will I be in an atmosphere that encourages people like me to flourish? And so what we're saying in our advisory is, yes, it's time for you to analyze your situation and determine if it's time for you to visit Florida, if you're safe in Florida. Because what we understand is this is a political move that is fostered by the bullying, by the hate, by the white uh, supremacy that uh, Ron DeSantis is pushing. And so we're saying you have to think about this. You have to think about this state. We're not saying don't come here. But what you do need to do is determine how you can lift up the issues that threaten all of the groups that you just read about, that threaten public education, that threaten to turn our colleges and universities from one of the best systems in the country into uh, something Christian identity, white supremacy based. What you have to look at this. And when you come, yeah. we're saying, be careful about what you choose. There are corporations, there's entertainment corporations that you can choose that support diversity, openly, defiantly support diversity. So there's a place for you. But there, are, there may be others who haven't spoken about this, and you need to be careful who you patronize. 
And the, you know, the thing is, I think about, you know, especially a, an, an historic organization like the NAACP. I mean, there used to be green books where African-Americans used to have to think about, you know, as you're traveling down south, you know, where it's safe to go. And it definitely feels like Florida is becoming a state where you might need a green book. Ted Cruz's reaction to this, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, said this is bizarre and utterly dishonest. In the 1950s and 60s, the NAACP did extraordinary good helping lead civil rights movement. Not sure if he really believes that. Today, Dr. King would be ashamed of how profoundly they've lost their way. Quite, quite cheeky of him to think he knows what Dr. King would think. But I want to read you the Florida Republican Party chair. His name is Christian Ziegler. Um, and he said this, the chairman of the NAACP, talking about you, lives in Tampa, Florida. True leadership is being willing to do what you ask others to do. Time to step up and move. If you think our state is so bad, the Florida GOP will help with moving costs. I'll note that he is the husband of the woman who co-founded the uh, white nationalist uh, leaning group Moms for Liberty. She's since left the organization. Your reaction to Christian Ziegler, who's told you they were paid to move you out of the state. First of all, he's full of bullshit. Secondly, need to understand that it's not, not about money. It's about people. It's about humanity. Second and thirdly, quite frankly, we haven't we haven't told anybody to leave. In fact, the NAACP is encouraging folks to stay here and fight. If there was ever a reason to stand your ground. It's black people, LGBT community, the immigrant community, women need to stand our ground in Florida and fight and understand that the fight is a political fight. It's time to look at policymakers, to see what they're doing, to remember what they're doing, whether it's at the city council, school board, county commission level, or whether they're running for the highest office in the land. It's time for us to understand what their record is how they've operated. And uh, as you introduced this segment, you said that uh, yeah. he, he wants to make the U.S. Florida. Yeah. Is, is that what America wants? And I don't think so. I don't think so. And they don't understand black people because we have done this and fought them before, including Dr. King, who they don't know anything about other than one quote. Yeah. You want to fight? Black folk will fight. And LGBTQ folks, we're all going to stand together. Brown folks, too. We will fight you. Thank you, Leon Russell. And that is tonight's readout. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.